It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it's an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be a really amazing show. I'll be introducing my guest shortly, and this will be a fun and informative hour. I do promise it'll be terrific. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I typically do this every single week. If you've listened to the show for any length of time, you know that I discuss acknowledging your wins on a regular basis. If you don't recall your small wins or even your big wins, it's really hard to stay grateful. And I always say that gratitude is the beginning of all great things. I'm going to be launching Success Profiles magazine very soon. And it's being laid out right now as we speak. I'm very blessed to have Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank be my first cover and feature article. I interviewed him on the show a few months ago, and it was a really great interview. What wins are you grateful for? This is a very important question, and I encourage you to take some time to think about that today. In order to receive great blessings in the future, I think it's really important to recall the blessings for your past. Do that today, and you'll be very, very glad you did. With all this in mind, I do want to introduce my very special guest. <clears throat> my guest this week is Steve Little. Let me tell you about him. As an acclaimed veteran entrepreneur, Steve understands all aspects of building successful businesses and generating impressive returns. Beginning with his first, first venture at the age of 13, which sold a couple of years later for over $200,000, Steve built dozens of highly successful companies, including venture-backed software companies, which generated hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. He employed hundreds of people worldwide and produced impressive returns for investors. Steve commands an uncommon breadth of experience and knowledge, particularly in the discipline of accelerated value growth, mergers and acquisitions, and has sold dozens of companies across a wide variety of industries. We will talk about so much of this and much, much more on the show today. And before I forget, you can download I, uh, Success Profiles Radio on iTunes. You can download and subscribe for free, and I would really appreciate that. Even if you could give a five-star review, if you think it's worth it, I would love that as well. So here we are with my very special guest, Steve Little. Steve, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic, Brian. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for asking. So the thing I normally start with is I like to ask my guests about their background, their backstory, how they started, maybe some of the things they overcame, and really what brought you here to where you are now. And we'll take the whole first segment to discuss this. Okay. All right. We can do that. <laughs> I think I can remember that far back. All right. Go ahead. Well, I mean, uh, the story that you told is a good place to start. I mean, that was sort of my first entrepreneurial endeavor. It's a, it's a sort of a cute story, but it did teach me a, a significant lesson that I've carried with me for, for the last uh, fifty some odd years now. You know that, uh, uh, I, you know, I was like every thirteen-year-old kid wanted to make some money. My dad said, "Well, there's the lawnmower. Have at it." You know, so I cut, cut our grass. And, went to cut a neighbor's grass and was sort of starting that business. And, and, uh, quite frankly, the first Saturday I did it, I, I cut grass for a couple hours and said, man, this is for the birds. I don't like this at all. 
So I started hiring some other kids to push the lawnmower, and then, uh, you know, I would arbitrage the money a little bit. And uh, one thing led to another, and I started signing up more and more clients. I had, you know, the whole neighborhood, then I had the next street over, the next street over, and so on. And, uh, you know, as long as I could keep getting people to push lawnmowers around, I could uh, I could go make money. And wow. uh, that was a fun business for me. But what's interesting about it, uh, Brian, is that uh, the real turning point for me, uh, and, you know, I, I tell this story now, but understand that looking back, I really had no idea how profound this lesson was as a teenager, right? But uh, at 13 or as closer to 15 then, um, you know, I would go door to door um, to resell the job every week. You know, I mean, they come cut the grass, you know, this weekend, Mrs. Jones or whatever. And, you know, usually the answer is yes. But in August, in the summer months, uh, July and August in Pennsylvania, the grass doesn't grow very much. So mm -hmm. I started hearing people say, no, give it a couple of weeks, you know, and come back, you know. And uh, I realized that happened about five times one Saturday morning. And I realized, man, this is going to cost me some money if I don't figure this out. So uh, I, you know, rattled my brains a little bit and, and uh, came up with the idea of, of writing up uh, semi-annual and annual quarterly contracts and get people to sign up for, you know, a monthly billing. And I'd tell them, look, I'll cut your grass, I'll rake your leaves, I'll trim your shrubs, I'll keep the trash off your yard when the storms come through, I'll pick up the sticks and haul them away. And, you know, I'll just do all the stuff to keep your yard looking nice. I wasn't going to do any landscaping or anything, but, you know, I could I could keep the place up. And uh, for that, I'd charge one flat monthly fee and uh, pretty much everybody went for that deal, and uh, that got me rolling. And, and as I kept going and going over the years, I accumulated a pretty substantial number of those contracts. And one day my dad came home to tell me that he'd been transferred and we were going to be moving. And I said, well, Dad, what am I going to do with my business? Now, understand that my dad really had no idea what I was up to. He was a yeah. big executive. You know, I was just doing my thing. And and uh, he said, well, I think those people will understand you can't cut their grass anymore. And I said, no, Dad, I don't, I don't think you understand. <laughs> so <laughs> I brought him my – I had all those contracts in a in a big loose-leaf binder. I'm going to age myself a little bit, Brian. I, you know, back in then, the grade school, you had these blue cloth-love-covered binders that you had, and you could write on them in Magic Marker. And I had written on mine Steve's Big Book of Business. And inside there, you know, page after page after page were these contracts signed by the property owners with the – the, you know, the rate and so forth um, on the on the sheet, on the agreement page. And uh, he was flipping through the pages, and it was sort of funny because you could see that it dawned on him what he was really looking at, you know, as he was flipping through the pages. And he looked up at me sort of in dismay and said, well, my godson, how much business is here? And I told him how much revenue we generated and how much the business cost, and he just shook his head and said, that's, that's extraordinary. I've never seen anything like this. What do you want to do with it? So long story short is I ended up selling it to a much larger enterprise at that time, you know, Lawn Doctor, and those guys were just coming out. And uh, I, I uh, went by the Lawn Doctor place, and he offered me 187000 for it. And uh, my dad was pretty excited about that, as you might imagine. And sure. In the uh, you know late 60s, early 70s. And, and uh, then he said, well, let's go down the street to the other guy, see what he'll give me for it. And he gave me just a little bit less than 250k for it. Wow. He got all the contracts, and I, I'm sure though, you know, think, thinking about it now, 
and I look at those operations that are out there these days, and you think, you know, he's got the, the fertilizer, he's got the bug sprays, he's got, the, you know, the cutting treatments and all the other stuff that he can do. So he probably made, you know, millions and millions and billions of dollars on that $250,000 investment, right? Absolutely. So that's the story. But the important thing about that story, and I appreciate you having me share it, Brian, but the important thing about that story is I learned a lesson. And, and again, I, I can't say that I knew what the lesson was per se at the time, but I can tell you this, the value of that business was in those contracts. Yeah. It wasn't the equipment, wasn't the people, it wasn't me, you know, it wasn't anything like that. It was the fact that there was a contract that guaranteed that business would recur on a quarterly or semi-annual or annual basis, and that's what that guy was buying. Right? Yeah. So I learned a very important lesson right then and and uh now of course I've used that in in uh, all the businesses I've built subsequent to that one and and uh thought that was a pretty good deal, but I never really knew how to articulate that that was the value driver of the business until wow. years later. That's great. We've got about a minute or so. That's how I got started. That's and, awesome. You know, I'm just like every other kid. I was always finding some way to make some extra money and that kind of thing. And then eventually went to college and, and uh, I didn't uh, I didn't get along with college very well. So I quit sure. school after a couple of years. I, I was doing yeah. quite well, but I just hated it. You know, I was yeah. like I was wasting my time. So Absolutely. I started We've got a- another there and kept growing businesses and that's just it <laughs> great we've got just under a minute left to our our first break was the fact that you were still a minor did that cause any issues when you were trying to sell your business no because you know my dad was going to sign all the papers he ended up taking all the money too <laughs> oh okay all right <laughs> probably my college i imagine <laughs> there you go all right we are coming up against our first break my very special guest this week is steve little and he is a veteran entrepreneur and he is very very good at helping companies generate money and helping companies generate value and we'll talk about all of these things and so much more when we come back from the break this is success profiles radio please stay with us don't go away we will come right back please stay with us is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Are you stressed out? Because if you are, you're not alone. In fact, research shows that over 73% of all Americans report symptoms of stress, which is a key factor contributing to mental and physical illness. And that stress is usually related to work, money, or relationships. Up until now, the solution to combat the effects of stress have been delivered through pharmaceutical companies. But now there's a natural way to solve this problem without the harmful side effects. The Healthy Primate Stress Support Supplement contains natural ingredients proven to reduce cortisol, also known as the stress hormone, which causes damage to our body. And unlike prescriptions, your satisfaction is guaranteed with a 100% money-back offer on all orders. In addition, a portion of all proceeds goes to PTSD research, and as a bonus, all purchases will include a free copy of the new ebook, The Survival Guide to Living with Stress. So get the Healthy Primate Stress Support Supplement today at www.screwstress.com. Click the Amazon logo. It'll take you where you need to go. Once again, that is www.screwstress.com. 
Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.brianckwright.com for more information. Once again, that's brianckwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. And my very special guest is Steve Little. He is the uh, the owner of Zero Limits Ventures, and this company helps uh, organizations with mergers and acquisitions, investment banking, consulting, and funding strategies. So that's a lot. And so you've got an expertise in all of this, Steve. What is the mission of your company? Well, you know, I'm, I appreciate you asking that question, Brian. You know, um, I believe that that uh, companies need to have a mission. As a matter of fact, the, the truth of the matter is. Uh, Companies with a mission uh, perform better in every dimension, in every characteristic, in terms of employee retention, in terms of revenue and earnings growth, in terms of valuation. So it's my belief that you know one of the principal things that that business founders, owners, chief, chief executives need to do is is uh, organize their company uh, around a mission of giving in some way, shape, or form. Now. I don't. I can't choose what everybody else's is. If it's you know housing the homeless in Haiti or feeding you know children in Alabama, it doesn't make any difference to me what the mission is. But you want it to be a centerpiece of the culture of your company. In my case, uh, you know one of the critical aspects of the work that we do with our client companies is we we make them get on board with a mission. So most of our companies come to us already have a mission, and we look at how can we. Uh, uh, project that mission orientation more effectively and create more value to the buyer uh, out of that mission orientation. So there's things we can do to make it a more valuable asset than they perhaps have made it up to that point. Uh, but with a company doesn't have a mission, you know, we really sit that business owner down or the executive team, we help them understand how critically important it is uh, for them to align their company around giving of something, uh, you know, something bigger than themselves, so to speak, uh, and, you know, time and time and time again, we see uh, performance indicators that say that this uh, is a critical component of value growth in a business. Matter of fact, a few years ago, Goldman Sachs uh, uh, did a, an analysis of this, and their results indicate that uh, companies with a mission, you know, uh, evolved enterprises, conscious capitalism, whatever, however you want to describe it, those companies grow in value thousands of times faster than companies that don't. And that's been my experience as well. So I set that out to be my mission, is to create companies with missions. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And it's impossible to hit a target that you never define. So I can understand why having uh, a defined mission is absolutely critical. So let me ask, Steve, uh, I'm sure there are certain circumstances prevailing in companies that seek your help. What do you find are the common reasons why companies would seek your help? And what's usually going on in those businesses? Yeah. Well, it really sort of starts with with two simple things, and it's it's these are the things that that you know uh, inspired me to start the uh, Zero Limits Ventures to begin with. I mean, you kind of might imagine having 
built as many companies as I have. I'd retired and was, you know, just sort of taken by biding my time. And, um, you know, but I, I started consulting with companies. And, and what I would discover is that I could ask the same two questions of every business owner I met with, and I never got a good answer. I, the first question I'd ask is, what's your exit strategy? And I would get one of two answers. I'd get the honest one, which is we don't have one. Mm-hmm. Right? Or I'd get the, the not dishonest, but less effective one as we're going to grow it and someone's going to buy us which is interesting, but not a strategy, right? Right. Um, and then I would follow that question up with a second question. Well, do you know what drives the value of your business? Now, this was very interesting to me because uh, about 99% of the time, the response I would get would come to me in the form of a question. So I'd ask that question, Brian, what drives the value of your business? And you would turn around and, and ask me, well, what do you mean? Like revenue and earnings? Is that what you mean? Gross margin? Is that what you mean? Right. Mm-hmm. And my point would be, well, this is something you really need to know about your business. Because the question is, if you don't know what drives the value of your business, how do you know where to invest your time and your money? You yeah. know, in a simple example, if growing customer grows the value of your business uh, versus a growing intellectual property, you know, if you have those two, it's just simple value drivers. If growing the, if the value, if you have a buyer out there that says, hey, I'll pay eight times earnings for your customer base. What they're saying is we have product, we want to buy a market, and they're willing to pay eight times the earnings in your portfolio to do that. Well, okay, that's good to know. There might be another company out there that would like to buy you, but they want your intellectual property or your brand or your people or some other aspect of your business, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe they'll pay 10 times earnings. Well, as you can see, that would be an important thing for you to realize, right? Right. Because if you knew that, where would you invest your next 100K? Well, I hope you would invest it in intellectual property and brand, right? Because yes. that's going to generate a greater rate of return, right? So just knowing what drives the value of your business is a critically important component of building a business. Now, I know that most small to middle market companies are owned by people that are very busy and they're focused on the really important stuff, driving revenue, driving earnings, keeping people, keeping people employed, keeping customers satisfied. You know, it's a lot of hard work to run a business. You know? yeah. uh, I tell people, you know, if you don't want to, if you don't want to do all that, then get a job and be happy with that, right? Right. Exactly. Um, so, um, but but what I like to get business owners to understand is that you really must know what drives the value of your business, and and so we look at a bunch of different things to help business owners figure out here's where the magic is in your business. And this is where you need to continue to invest and grow uh, in order to maximize the return. Yeah. The other thing I say to people, you may have heard this on other, other interviews I've done, but you know, a lot, I don't mean to sound harsh, but there's going to be an exit. I mean, a lot of people tell me, well, you know, I'm not ready to sell yet. Well, frankly, the exit strategy is not about the exit. It's about the strategy and understanding yeah. what drives the value of your business. Because the only way you can know what drives the value of your business is to talk to somebody who would buy the business. Right? right. So you need to know what they're buying and why. Yeah. Right? It doesn't mean you have to sell right then. But I sure. like to say, look, there's going to be an exit. There's going to be one. Whether yeah. you sell, take it public, or keel over dead at your desk, there's going to be an exit. And Absolutely. you want that business to be valuable when that exit occurs. Right? Yeah, exactly. And and you mentioned exit strategies. I think a lot of companies probably have no idea what their strategy is, just like you alluded to before, or maybe they feel like they don't need one if they never plan to sell. 
how big of a mistake is that? It's colossal. Like I said, there's no way for you to know where to invest money in your business. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you, you're generating money and you're reinvesting some of that money in the growth of your business. So you might be taking loans or capital from the outside, whatever, whatever capital growth strategy you have, you're investing that money. But if you don't know what your exit strategy is, you don't know what grows the value of your business. You therefore cannot know where to invest that money. Right? Yeah. And it's not in revenue and earnings. A lot of people give me the automatic response, well, isn't it just revenue and earnings? Well, if it was just revenue and earnings, then explain Snapchat to me. Yeah. Right? They're $27 billion. They have no revenue. They have no earnings. Right? So it must not be revenue and earnings. Now, revenue and earnings are important components. True. That's a true statement. Mm-hmm. But it may not be the thing that really establishes the intrinsic value of the business that a buyer is going to pay for, right? Yeah. So when we work with companies, we start with a very deep dive on the company so that we can go find where are the big value drivers that are available to us to really accelerate the growth and value, not just the growth of, the growth and value of the business, right? Mm -hmm. That's really the important factor from our perspective. Exactly. What should an exit strategy include? What does that look like? Oh, oh, there's there's just so many elements. I mean, there's, uh, uh, I mean, uh, wow, well, it's you want to you want to really understand all the different market drivers. Let me let me just let me just start from the top, and you can sure. cut me off when I've gone too far. I guess. Okay. But we we look at three different areas when we go to work with a company. We look and we do a deep dive on that company, and we look deep into where are the existing constraints to value. What are the things inside the company right now that are keeping it from being as valuable as it could be? And we look at 55 or 60 different factors. And these can range a broad spectrum of things. It could be documentation. Sounds silly, but you'd be surprised how many companies do not document their business. Yeah. Um, could be uh, forecasting. Could be sales methodologies or models. It could be uh, intellectual property plans, uh, weakness in the product roadmap. It could be a competitive uh, 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 situation uh, brewing, right? It could be uh, an, you know, an unsecured branding position. I mean, it could be a, 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 just a myriad of things there. So yeah. you really want to understand all of those elements and that are keeping you from being as valuable as you could be. Mm-hmm. Then we also look at things that are in the company that are value growth opportunities. So what about this company can we use to accelerate value? I'll give you a very quick example. We had a trucking company some years ago. Good company, solid company. You know, it was the kind of, I like to say it was the kind of company that had a Christmas party every year and people got vacations, right? Just a good, yes. solid company to work for. Um, their problem was they were a trucking company in a regional segment of the market that had a valuation cap multiple of about 0.85. So their multiple was sub one, which means yeah. they're not going to get a lot of money when they try to sell that business. Right. Right. And these guys were tired. They'd been doing it 12 years. They had a plan to sell it off and retire. And that was just, if you did the pencil and paper and math, you'd realize they were just never going to get there. Yeah. So we had to find a way, <laughs> excuse me, to shift that multiple. Yeah. Long story short, we found a couple of assets inside the company that we could leverage. We found that the vast majority of their payload was energy and energy-related equipment. And we found that they had a logistical advantage in their regional market 
because they had paid to have someone develop some software that allowed them to be more proficient and more efficient with their uh, trucking or their shipping schedules. So we basically rebranded the company. We didn't change the company in an operational way, in a significant way at all. We changed the color of their trucks, changed their website, changed their brand, changed their messaging. They became an energy logistics company instead of a trucking company. And we picked up five and a half points of a seven-point multiple. Great. We got about a minute to our break. We took them below one up to up to almost six, right? That's fantastic. So that's something inside the company we could leverage, right? So that's a strategy we could leverage once we understood what assets were within the company. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, I love that. Okay, so we've got about a minute and a half or so uh, before the break. And uh, just simply uh, wanted to ask, uh, well, we'll talk more about this when we come out of the break, but a lot of businesses sell for less than they are truly worth. Is there a really good reason why that is? Well, it, I've just explained it, really, is that oh, okay. taking the time to understand what they're worth. I mean, okay. they all have a valuation done, and a valuation looks at the numerics of the business and looks at numerics of other businesses like that business, okay. does a market analysis, does a discount cash flow model, looks at projected earnings, and so on and so forth. You know, calculate, calculate, okay. calculate. You know. And here we go. We're at we're at our break, and we'll come right back. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.brianckwright.com for more information. Once again, that's brianckwright.com. Looking for the perfect destination in Costa Rica, Panama, or Thailand? Concerned about the economy and looking for an escape plan? Then you need to go to escapeartist.com and learn how you can live, work, invest, retire, or do business overseas. Escape Artist has the perfect plan for you. Join our 400,000 readers and get your free subscription to Escape from America magazine. Visit www.escapefromamerica.com and create your escape plan right now. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Steve Little, and he has a company called Zero Limits Ventures. He helps companies with mergers and acquisitions, investment banking, consulting, and funding strategies. So let me ask you this. Uh, if a business is trying to raise funds, let's say they want to expand or do whatever, what are some things they need to know before they ask for money? There have to be some things in place, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, certainly they need to know their numbers. Right, you, I mean, mm-hmm. you have to have that down to know what what you're producing, what you know in terms of revenue and earnings and margin and so forth. 
you need to understand the dynamics of your customer acquisition strategies. In other words, you know, how do they buy? Do they are they repeat buyers? So what are the what are the what's the profile of a typical customer and, and you know, how do you replicate that? So you need to have a sales and marketing strategy that you can you can explain or sort of illustrate this is how we find customers, make customers, keep customers, right? Like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how much, what's the lifetime value of a customer, some of those kinds of things. Uh, so you want to have all that information, have some really solid financials and projections around, you know, what you're planning to accomplish with this money. So you must have a very carefully mapped out use of fund strategy. So when an investor looks at your opportunity, understand they're investing, they're looking at a pool of money you're asking for, Half that money they consider they're investing in you personally. They, they, so they're going to want to get to know you. And mm-hmm. They're going to want to trust you. They're going to hold you accountable, right? The other half, they're investing in the company and all the assets and all the, all the uh, uh, business, the business model and so forth uh, that, uh, that we're talking about. So, you know, uh, you really want to make sure that you're in a position to speak clearly about what you're going to do with the capital you're asking for. You'd be surprised how many submissions I get from people looking to raise capital that, you know, we figure we need about $2 million to accomplish X, Y, and Z. I can ask a single question. What's the use of funds? How are you going to accomplish X, Y, and Z with this $2 million? Well, we need the $2 million. <laughs> it's the answer right. I get. <laughs> right. I understand That's... that part, but what I want to know is what you're going to do with the $2 million. Yeah. Because, you know, and this is where I would ask, again, those same kinds of questions that we mentioned in the last segment. I'd ask them, well, so what's the strategy for exit? I mean, I'm going to give you $2 million. You understand that that I'm an investor, you know, and I'm looking for when I'm going to see a return on that investment. So help me understand how you're going to use the money and how that's going to generate a return for me. Right. And if their answer is, I don't know, or it's none of your business, that's a, those are bad answers. <laughs> <laughs> those, those won't work for me. If no. work for some, I don't. <laughs> yeah. It's like, if you don't yeah. know what you're going to do with my money or you don't really want to tell me mm, next. Yeah. You know, it's interesting though. Um, I don't want to get too far afield here, but the extra sure. strategy component of that story that you're telling, and it really is a story when you put together your pitch deck and you go in front of an investor and you want him to invest in your company, you are telling the company story. You're telling him, you know, the vision that you have for the company in the future and, and what you think is really possible uh, if he's uh, willing to infuse that capital that you're asking for. Um, you do need to give him a vision of how the exit will satisfy uh, his, you know, his investment strategy, how it'll fit into his portfolio. But you got to be a little careful. You don't want them to think you're a short timer just trying to pump up some money so you can sell out and run, right? Right. So it's a little bit of a balancing act in there. Uh, but you know, he has to see a clear vision of how investing in your company is going to benefit him on his time horizon. So you really need to understand what the investor's return time horizon is. Yeah. Private equity investors typically are looking for a five-year turn on their money, where venture people are typically looking for quite a bit longer, sometimes 10 or even more, right? Yeah. So understanding who you're talking to is an important aspect of the ask. Does that make Absolutely. sense? Absolutely. 
Yes, absolutely. I would imagine that leadership development is very, very important. And the quality of the leadership in a company is one of many factors that also drives the value of the company. Does that sound like a reasonable assessment? Is that absolutely the case? It's one of the key elements that we we really uh, dive deep on when we work with a company. And, and here's where the founder, you know, needs to be honest with him or herself, right? I mean, look, this, I think everybody can accept, even if only philosophically, if not emotionally, that you know what the person that's going to build a company from zero to ten million dollars a year is different from the person that's going to build it from twenty-five to a hundred million. It's probably yeah. different from the person to go from 100 to 250 million and beyond, right? I mean, it's just, it's a different skill set. You, you got yeah. different things to worry about. That first person, you know, they're worrying about keeping the lights on and, you know, keeping the bills paid and making sure contractors deliver what they're supposed to deliver. The next guy, he's worried about systems and processes a little bit more. You know, how are my employees doing? Do we have the right human resources policies in place? You know, are we managing all of the aspects of the op- actual operation of the business as efficiently as we can while also managing the stuff that the first guy was managing, right? And so on up the chain. So when we evaluate our company management teams, a lot of times, you know, we have to match that up with the long-term vision of the company and sit the, the founder down and say, okay, so it's our impression based on your background, your skill set, your personal goals, what you're trying to accomplish in your life that, you know, this is the time horizon for you in this business. And right. after this, we're going to need to go find a CEO who can carry the business from, you know, point B to point C. Right. And if, you know, if, if that doesn't work for that business owner, then, you know, that's a red flag because they have to be willing to see that they're probably not the person that's going to carry it from the beginning all the way to the end zone. And that very rarely happens. Right. You know, I mean, it just very rarely goes that the same guy carries the company all the way to the end zone. That doesn't mean that the founder can't benefit from the successes of all those different stages of growth. They sure. can. Yeah. They can sell out a portion of their equity and they can stay around and have a great job. We have a lot of situations where we'll have a founder CEO who becomes, a, you know, a, a, a significant equity holder and has a particular uh, operational function in the business that they're very skilled at and and enjoy very much and can do in the time that they want to allocate to doing it, and that continues to contribute to the growth of the value of the equity they retain. So they took a bunch of cash off the table, you know, put their kids in school or whatever it is they meant to do, and they're still working, but they're now in a different role, and they don't have all the pressures of growth that they might have had before, and that can work very effectively. Absolutely. In fact, I, that was going to be the next thing I was going to ask is do you find that a lot of your comp- clients buy companies with the idea of retaining the leaders or are they just looking for a clean, a clean break and they just want to take it over? You know, I, the vast majority, uh, I, well, I'll say, I think it's probably a, in the end analysis, it's a 50-50 split for the long term. In other words, the company, there's probably 50% of them want the person to stay on forever and keep going the business in a different role. About 50% of them want a, a, you know, an extended transition plan, but then will allow the founder to leave if the founder wants to leave. Now, sometimes the founder thinks he wants to leave, gets into this about a year or so and says, you know, no, I'm not running it anymore. Now I don't all the have those headaches and I'm not, I'm losing all that sleep and I actually spend time with my family. I sort of like it here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. I can stay, you know, so there's a lot of different variables, but, 
as far as the buyer goes, you know, we're very careful about the buyers we select, as you might imagine. So it's sure. never about the transaction for us. It's always about the culture of the business and making sure that the buyer's culture matches the seller's culture. So that, you know, oftentimes the buyer's like, hey, we're open to anything. I mean, we want to we want to give this person their just reward for creating this opportunity for us. Mm. That's the way the buyer's looking at it. That This opportunity for them wouldn't exist if the seller hadn't built it. Right. right? Oh, yes, absolutely. So, yeah, so it's not it's not hey we're taking over now get out of the way it's more like hey we can add value we can add capital we can add skills we can add abilities we can add talent we can add partnerships we can add all these other assets and together we can grow this thing successful and you can jump off anytime you want Mr. Owner uh, or you can stay on for the ride as long as you want that's typically the kind of deal we like to see absolutely. Yeah. So we've got probably about four minutes or so to our final break, four or five minutes or so. I want to ask about the importance of tying your business to a cause because cause marketing and cause entrepreneurship seems to be – has been gaining a lot of steam in recent years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely true. And uh, as I mentioned in the opening uh, segment there, it's a critical aspect of any business. and. And uh, it's not something that you should be taken lightly or not something that be looked at as a bolt-on by any stretch of the imagination. It should be a central focus uh, of, the, of the strategy of the business. Um, now, it's interesting. Uh, I was just reading an article earlier this week about this, that, you know, there's the idea of having, you know, your company oriented towards maximum earnings and margin and, and profitability and so forth. And that also does some good, you know, on the side. Like, you know, we we earmark, I don't know, 15% of our revenues for mm-hmm. you know, housing children in Haiti or something like that, right? That right. seems to be on my mind these days. I don't know why. But, sure. uh, you know, which is, I mean, that's good. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's, it's more than the company who doesn't do that, you can say, right? Yes. Um, but there's also a difference between that and the company that started with a mission in mind, like a Tom Shoes, where, you know, their company is about the mission. It's not a bolt-on to the company. Does that make sense? Yes. You see the distinction I'm making? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an important distinction, and neither are wrong. Don't get me wrong about that. You've, you're going to benefit in the long haul from, from both of those situations. I mean, the simple fact of the matter is everybody – wants to contribute in some significant way to the, you know, good cause or good, you know, good karma or good outcomes for people who need it, you know, whatever it might be. Everybody. I mean, quite frankly, I like to say to business owners, you know, you started this business for a reason. Mm-hmm. You may have forgotten why you started it, but, but you did start for a reason. You know, let's reconnect to that reason. Right, so there's all the motivations that go with this. There have been study after study after study about this, that companies who, that have a mission and have everybody on board with their mission, the mission is central to the business and the business model. You know, it's not just a poster in the lobby. It's part of what the business does. Every business that has that performs better in every single area. Ret- you know, uh, customer retention, employee retention, profitability, revenue growth, earnings growth. Every aspect of the business is healthier and more vibrant and superior to a company that does not have a mission. That's just a simple fact. Absolutely. And that's why 
those companies grow in value more quickly than companies that don't invest there. Absolutely. It's just the way it is, you know? Yep. Um, so, so it's a critically important piece. Now, uh, how you go about doing it, there's a lot of variables there. There's a lot mm-hmm. of different ways to go about it. But I can tell you one really important, a very okay. visceral aspect of this for me on a day-to-day basis, uh, and that is uh, in the acquisition game, when we're representing a seller and we get right down to the, you know, the tiniest minutia just mm-hmm. before the contract is closed, yeah. right? Okay. It's we're coming up against unusual. our break. We're coming up against our break. We'll come, we'll come right back in just a moment. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Do you have trouble falling asleep and staying asleep? I know that drugs can be addictive and cause a hangover the next day. That's why you need the Sleep Band. The Sleep Band helps you fall asleep quickly and easily and for a longer period of time. This results in a more restful and peaceful night's sleep, which is something all of us need. With the Sleep Band, you will wake up fresh and alert, ready to begin your day. You can get your Sleep Band and other great healing products by visiting HealingFrequencyProducts.com. Check it out today for a better sleep tomorrow. HealingFrequencyProducts.com. This is the Toginet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. It's merging never July is National Ice Cream Month, as if we need a reason to celebrate ice cream. Would you believe the average American eats 45.8 pints of ice cream a year? Here's the scoop on some ice cream lingo. In Pennsylvania, the paper cone used to hold ice cream is called a tut. Sprinkles or jimmies on top of ice cream are called ants in California and outsiders and logs in Vermont. The world record for ice cream eating is 1.75 gallons in 8 minutes. Oh, I feel a brain freeze coming on. What's another word for brain freeze? Palatine Ganglia Neuralgia. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Steve Little, and he helps people with mergers and acquisitions. He helps them with investment banking, consulting, and funding strategies. You've worked with many, many, many clients, and people do resonate with stories. And so I would love to ask, of course, without breaching confidentiality, do you have a favorite story that you'd like to share with us, maybe something that you thought might go bad, but it turned out well, or maybe a case study that maybe surprised you in some way. Well, um, sure. I mean, there's, there's a, probably a million of them, right? Sure. But I guess, you know, owing to the sort of responsibility to, you know, to, to, 
you know, sort of honor the mark of perseverance. I mean, it, you know, a lot of times it's hard to get your company uh, into the right trajectory in a market, right? And, uh, you know, um, I, I guess the encouraging part of the story that I'd share is that, hey, you know, you really have to recognize that every single entrepreneur goes through the same refiner's fire over and over and over again. And I had a company that uh, I was running some years ago, a venture portfolio company. So a venture group had brought me in and said, hey, you know, we're coming up on our on our investment window. We, we would hate to see this one fail. You know, we're willing to let it die, but, you know, we'd like to have you go in and see if you can figure out how to pivot it into position and get it uh, get it to a positive exit, maybe even a maybe even a high return exit, uh, and we got started on that deal. And uh, it was one of these situations where it was just sort of a cascade of bad news. I mean, I, I got started, and it was just one piece of bad news after another. We missed the product. You know, they missed every product delivery schedule. They missed every every feature release. They missed, you know, just one miss after another. And mm. it was a classic case. Of, have you heard the old saying, the Wayne Gretzky saying, you know, skate to where the puck's going to be? Yes. Well, they were always skating away from where the puck was. I mean, it was, oh. just, it was like it was like the the worst scenario. And you know, I remember I pulled the whole team together. I said, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna do something completely radical here. We're gonna turn orthogonally to the right and go. We're gonna go that way in the market as fast as we can, and we're gonna try to get in front of this puck." You know, and I I sort of built this whole story around you know go to where the puck's going to be and, you know, so on and so forth. And, you know, we, we, we built a mission statement. We, you know, we put all this investment in the energy necessary to make this thing happen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, unfortunately we missed, you know, again, right. It was just one of those things where, you know, I was just scratching my head. I, I really couldn't, uh, I just couldn't come up with another answer. You know, I tried everything I knew how to do and, I went to my next board meeting and said to the guys, hey, you know what, I, I think this one's over. I think maybe you just ought to wind it down. You know, I mean, I, I hate to tell you that, but I just, I don't see how we can do it. We we missed again, you know, and I've had an assessment done. Nobody wants anybody. They don't want any of our stuff. They don't want any of our code. They don't even want any of our equipment, you know, <laughs> so yeah. we don't really have much, right? Uh, and one of the guys, one of the investors pulled me aside. He said, just give it one more go. Just give it one more go. Give it 90 more days. You know, just go at it one more time. Yeah. And uh, I said, All right, I'll try, you know. And I, I uh, was sitting in a lobby. Uh, I was actually in a coffee shop uh, in New York, quite frankly, sort of destitute. I had no idea what was going to, how I was going to save this company. And this was right when uh, electronic trading had just started in on the uh, on the the exchanges. Yeah. And I opened up uh, the front page of the paper, and there, in just massive letters, was you know how much money Goldman had lost in the intra-second trading window, because mm. now trades could happen in nanoseconds. And so I picked up the phone and I called my CTO, who was in bed back in California at the time. I said, Sanjeev, could our code read intrasecond trades? He thought for a minute. He goes, yeah, I think we could probably do that. I said, okay. I went up the phone. I went across the street. I sat in that lobby, Goldman Sachs, for nine hours. Wow. I sat there waiting to talk to the, to the uh, CIO of the company. 
And he, his, you know, he'd send someone down and say, he's not going to be able to meet with you today. I'd say, I'm going to be right here. He's got to go out this door. I'm going to be right here when he leaves. And that's exactly what happened. At 7 p.m. that night, he walked down and walked across that lobby. I jumped up, walked over to him. He looked at me, put his hand up. He said, I don't have time to talk to you right now. I opened the paper. I pointed to that headline. I said, I can help you fix this problem. He stopped dead in his tracks and come up to my office. Yeah. <laughs> I told him what I had. I said, I don't have a product. I have a bunch of code, and we've missed every deadline we've tried to hit. And we're about to run out of money. I'm about to wind the thing down. But I can tell you one thing. I know we can solve this problem. If you'll invest a million and a half dollars in this company, we'll deliver this code. We'll deliver a solution to this problem to you. Wow. He went for it. Saved the company, right? Completely salvaged the company. Uh, Three and a half years later, we sold the company for a large sum of money. I can't give you the name of the company, but it, sure, and now course. it continues to do incredibly well uh, with uh, analytic software. And Wall Street's probably one of the big brand names that you would recognize if I were able to share it with you. But Absolutely. that company, it was done, and I was destitute. I couldn't figure out what to do with it. And I didn't think, you know, I just thought, well, what, what made me think we were going to hit that, that milestone? We'd never hit a milestone yet. Right? Yeah. But something told me that we were going to hit that one. Right. So that's great. It's all about listening, listening to your intuition and not giving up even, even when you think there's no solution. I mean, I called that board member and said, look, I can't believe it, but it worked. I told you one more try. Just always one more try. (laughs) Awesome. That's great. So I'd like to pivot, uh, Steve, an early project that you worked on is called the perfect biz builder. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, that was sort of a, uh, I'd say that's a labor of love, you know. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time in the tech space and spent a lot of time in the in the venture capital pressure cooker out there. And, you know, I was the chief executive of a lot of different companies, and I was a senior executive in many others. And, and uh, you know, frankly, I was making, you know, an embarrassing sum of money, but I was horribly miserable. I hated what I did. Um, I mean, I just, I had no life. And I had grown myself into that position, and and what I what I had done is just got myself in a box where I thought that well I can't possibly let go of this income because my lifestyle grew up around it, had a big ranch in the valley, and you know all this stuff. Couldn't do it. What am I going to do? I can't. I don't want to do this anymore. And uh, it got so bad for me, frankly, and I, I'm not ashamed to admit this, but I actually cried to work every day. Wow. I was pretty miserable. And. Uh, Finally, one day, a friend of mine said, look, man, the only way out of this is to quit. You just got to quit. Everything else is going to take care of itself, but you got to quit first. You can't mm. get off. It's, it's like you got one foot on the dock, one foot on the boat. You can't do that. You have to either get on the dock or get on the boat, right? And I took mm-hmm. his advice, and I just resigned. I left a lot of money on the table. The board of the company I was with were very upset with me, uh, but it had to be done, or I was probably not going to be around long, right? Yeah, and I went through a personal transformation, you know, sort of a personal growth experience. I'd never really connected with myself in a spiritual way. Uh, you know, I really felt like I connected with a bigger power and, and I really evaluated, you know, who I wanted to be in the world and what I wanted to contribute and, and so on. And it occurred to me that I had just suffered through a fire that I thought a lot of people, a lot of other people were suffering through or would be suffering through if they didn't understand some of the key principles of how to generate 
personal success in the context of business. And so um, I did a lot of study with uh, uh, various leaders around the world. I, I don't know if you know the name Joe Vitale, but I worked with yes. him. I worked with Dr. Hugh Land and, and uh, Ho'oponopono and uh, that Hawaiian healing technique. And I, I hired, you know, masters of everything. I had shaman and gurus. And everything. Yeah. You know, I was, I was just open to, to everything. So I could just sort of fill in this huge void that, that I felt that I had. Uh, in my personal being, uh, that you know, I'd all, I've been so focused on revenue and earnings and growth and profitability and you know all that so long, I'd missed out on what I felt was very important stuff. And uh, you know, I came out the other side and I was just crystal clear. I felt I felt better than I'd ever felt before. I felt focused. I felt clear on what what I was up to in life, why I was here. I could contribute effectively to my kids and to my community and to my family. Just, you know, it was an amazing transformation for me. And I thought, you know what? I need to share this with other people. I need to teach them how to do what I just did. Mm-hmm. So I literally sat down and in, uh, I'd say, 45 days' time, every day, morning, noon, and night, I hammered away and I wrote this thing called the Perfect Biz Finder Program. And it's a program that's designed to help you identify a business that's perfect for you. You know, so so you won't feel like you're working. You won't feel like you're sacrificing. And it forces you to organize your time investment in that business so that you live into that business as part of your life. You know, so many of us live compartmentalized lives. We live our lives like there's a work life, a family life, a business life, a love life, a, you mm-hmm. know, sports life, whatever. Okay. You know, and, and we think, we fool ourselves into thinking that we can actually borrow time from one life and invest yeah. it in another life, and it's going to be mm-hmm. some kind of dividend paid later. Yeah. And these are the guys that, that work until 9 o'clock at night, thinking yeah. that somehow it's going to make their family better off. Yeah. So we have less than two minutes. We have less than two minutes until the end. How can we find this and learn more about it? Well, that's, that's, uh, it's now given away for free. It's up at theperfectvizfinder.com. You know, it'll just go there. It'll tell you how to download it and what to do with it. It's just a gigantic PDF file at this point. But, but you know, if you'll go through it and you'll do the exercises, do the activities, you'll definitely get clarity about why you're here and what you want to do in life. Uh, it'll, it'll define a business that you can go do uh, and be awesome. successful with. That's great. The question I ask everyone at the end, Steve, who inspires and motivates you? Well, you know, that's a tough question. I know you, you gave me a heads up that you were going to ask it, and I, I haven't done a good job figuring out who it is. I mean, um, you know, I'm inspired by so many amazing people, uh, and, I, you know, I read constantly. I, I read two or three books a week. I, I, uh, I, I mean, I, I guess from a business standpoint, the, the icon I, I've always pointed to is Jack Welch, but honestly, to be fair, he just happened to be the first icon that I had. So, you know, he sort of got that spot because he was the first one in. Right. You know, there's been so many people that have helped me along the way and so many people I, I just appreciate so much and so many authors of so many great books okay. and techniques. All right. And we I are really coming think- we're coming up to the end. We got thirty seconds left. So zero limits dot com is where we can find your business. Yep. And there's a special page there I set up for your listeners, zero limits dot com forward slash access. You get you all kinds of free stuff plus an hour with me if you want it. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show, and thank you all for joining us. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Please join us next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern where I interview another uh, very successful person learn what they did to achieve, what they overcame, and how we can learn the lessons that they learned themselves. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Goodbye. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply.